How are you? Welcome to episode number one of True Cult Pop, what we believe will be the broadest and probably the most obnoxious podcast on the face of the earth. My name, that's Face by the way, not Faith, I've already fucked up the start of it, mm, brilliant. Got to have My name's Stephen Hill, <laughs> I, got to have, I haven't got much <laughs> faith, but I've got a, quite a big face. I'm Stephen Hill, hope you're okay, and joining me this week and every week, my sidekick, I was going to call you my co-host Sam, yeah. but I'm going to call you my sidekick because I don't want you getting <laughs> ideas above your station. <laughs> I've, I've set the, set the no, timer for three years from now, so... uh my co-host is from now and for yeah for the next three years probably at least it's sam slight how are you doing sam you're right i'm wonderful thank you mate how the devil are you it's been a i'm all right it's been a week isn't it It has been a week it's been a week and you're probably looking at this and you're going hold on a second What, what what exactly is going on here before we get into the show let's explain exactly what's going on now a week ago sam you and i were right act podcast that's what we were, sort of. I mean, you were kind of stepping in for... Oh, I was um, there, definitely. You were there, yeah. You were kind of stepping in. You were doing a kind of like uh, co-hosting duties on a sort of stand-in basis. Mm. An ad hoc and basis. Ad hoc. And you've been doing that for a while. You've been doing that for quite a long time. And I have to say, you've been very, very good at it. So, you know, um, thanks. Thanks for doing that. You're, I appreciate you stepping you're in. You're welcome. Thank you for saying nice things very kind it's been very nice mate it's been genuinely very nice because i just want it for full transparency sam and i didn't really know each other until you kind of got suggested to do this like we'd spoken a little bit hadn't we but it's not like we were busy mates and texted each other and sort of were actually knew each other other than to just be like oh hey mate at a gig and stuff it wasn't loads more than that was it's it not how i remember it but whatever <laughs> Uh, no, no, we, we yeah. didn't know each other all that well, I don't sorry. think. No, sorry. No, we didn't know each other all that well. Um, yeah, it was basically, I'd see, yeah, see Steve at the odd gig here and there or whatever. Known him for a few years, but not properly. Um, and then I'd see the funny things you'd tweet and I'd be like, oh, I'm funny as well. And then I'd do something quite embarrassing. And then the next time I'd see him, I'd be like, oh, shit. And then I'd send him a DM being like, oh, sorry about the last gig we were at. <laughs> yeah, you gotta bin this you gotta bin you gotta bin this self deprecation off Sam. No, you gotta you gotta no. get you gotta bin you gotta have more f- faith in yourself as a human no. being. It was always lovely to talk to you, by the way. Anyway, but I feel like we're getting off track. I'm, I'm here. the Johnny Not... Vegas of pop podcasting, are, yeah. clearly. <laughs> self deprecation's my thing. Yeah, okay, fine. Well then we can do it that way. <laughs> Luckily I'm the I'm the arrogant one, aren't I? So um so basically, um we have decided to rebrand Riot Act. And it's going to be this. It's not going to be ridiculous, huge changes. But Renfrey doesn't want to do the podcast anymore. He doesn't want to do the podcast with me. I don't want to do the podcast with him. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? Let's just say that that's what's happened. You really don't, like, you know, I say it with bands all the time. We don't need to know the the ins and outs and the details of stuff. You definitely don't need to know the ins and outs and details of that. But just put it that way. Um don't be tagging me in stuff and asking too many questions. I'd rather not. Let's just say there's been a split, a fracture, and out of respect for Renfrey and what Renfrey brought to the brand of Riot Act, the brand of Riot Act is now stopping. And from now on, we are this. We are True Cult Pop, the podcast. And it means with that change of name comes a slight change of 
various other things that I had been kind of hoping to introduce a little bit more as that previous podcast was going on. I think if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you can see that my tastes have sort of adapted and evolved and changed over the last few years. Um, I used to do a podcast just about metal, and then I used to do a podcast just about rock and metal, and then I used to do a podcast just about rock, metal, alternative, hip-hop. And now I'm doing a podcast about music. I feel like this is the end game. There are no boundaries at all within what we will be talking about. We will be talking about everything. If you're one of the people who go, I like metal. What? You're not going to, you've got pop in the title. You're just going to cover pop music. This is not a pop music podcast. It's not an alternative music podcast. It's not a rock music podcast. It is a podcast that this week is going to be talking about Soul Glow and Blackpink. We're doing hardcore underground punk rock and K-pop in the same week. Don't ever try and expect us to be anything other than just a podcast talking about music. There is legitimately, from this day forth, zero boundaries genre-wise on what we are talking about. So that doesn't mean rock and metal is out and pop music is in, although it sort of does for this week as we're doing a pop catch-up, which I'll get to in a second. But I don't really care about genre. I don't care. I don't give a shit about what you're meant to like and stuff. I, I genuinely don't care. If you want to suggest stuff to us, please suggest stuff to us and I'll listen to it with an open mind. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about Lizzo this week. I'm also looking forward to, as I was just saying to Sam, going to see Lorna Shaw and hanging out with Lorna Shaw for Metal Hammer in a couple of weeks' time. It's all good. So if you come with that open-minded attitude and you want to hear about all kinds of various different musics and you just accept that all this music is, all this music is going to be just what Sam and I have wanted to talk about and what we like talking about, then you will be very much welcomed into our our bosom <laughs> but if you're going to bitch and moan and go why haven't you done this or haven't you done that i mean dude i'm just giving you the heads up that's kind of not what it's going to be anymore so <sighs> is that fair sam do you think oh, i think so i think that's a good kind of mission statement yeah it's just going to be what's good or what's noteworthy essentially in anything in any framework and uh in whatever way uh we see fit basically yeah and it's also going to be a bit more fun you know i'm not going to be just for again for full transparency it got a bit serious and it got a bit dour and it got a bit worthy uh the podcast at some points and i was like you know it's kind of meant to be entertainment so this is going to be a bit more fun it's going to be a bit more fun it's going to be a bit more just entertaining it's going to be a bit more light-hearted you know and that doesn't mean that we won't do serious things and we won't make serious considerations on serious music we will still do that but i just wanted it to be a little bit more you know kind of funny yeah and a bit more levity when easy going required i think yeah 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 so that's what's happening thanks very much sorry i scared you all in the week because the reaction was pretty mental and i could sort of understand it but you know um this will be appearing on your feed as usual if you've decided to stay you know um subscribe to us like that's just gonna be a kind of change of brand a slight change of attitude and a change of of host um so we should probably just crack on and do it now yeah, right man. all right good on this week's show we're gonna be like i say catching up on some fucking pop music what better way to start by catching up on some wicked pop music we're gonna be 
talking about the sugariest shit we can find. Rina Sawayama, No Devotion, Lizzo, Blackpink, Demi Lovato, and Noah Cyrus. And uh, we've got some news about Ozzy Osbourne in the charts as well, Sam. He's done well in the charts as the Ozmeister. If you would like to subscribe on our Patreon page, it is patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. That's with a couple of Vs. You'll see how we spell it. T-R-V-E-C-V-L-T-P-O-P. Uh, you can sign up for two different tiers. That is the Your Cult Pop um, tier, which is any amount of money, as long as it's over a pound. And there you can suggest something for us to talk about on a podcast. You can suggest an album. You can suggest a song. You can suggest a documentary, a book, a film, uh, a piece of news, whatever you want. You can suggest anything and we will do a podcast based on your suggestion. The first one of these that we're going to be doing is 100 Broken Windows by Idlewild, which is uh, our first suggestion from Matthew Doxy. Thanks very much, Matthew, for doing that. That's going to be coming out. Might even be out by the time you hear this podcast, because as we record, I don't actually know what day this is going out on, again, for full transparency. And, um, you know, all the old Patreon stuff is going to stay where it is as well. Or you can sign up for our true classic pop um tier which is five pounds and we're doing dark side of the moon by pink floyd sam's written an essay basically written a whole fucking essay on the context of pink floyd's dark side of the moon which you bloody love don't you i bloody love it i mean i was gonna say i didn't basically write an essay i literally wrote an essay because it was it was a bit like coursework for uni when i was doing my degree um it was great fun and yeah it's gonna be really really interesting to talk about it i mean um the biggest thing we could possibly start with i think you know it's a quite a monolith in in popular culture uh but it's gonna Mm -hmm. be a fucking fun time i reckon yeah it's gonna be fucking big big Mm. big big and you know again two classic album podcasts a month for five pound on that tier uh something else that i've decided to introduce into the show is something that i've been thinking about for a while now we listen to music, you and I, all week, pretty much, don't we? You always got music on the background. You don't just listen to the music you're reviewing. You listen to something, and then you go and listen to something else. And then I have found myself, once a week, there's always one song, which sort of, or even sometimes a couple of songs, that just dominate the week, absolutely dominate the week. So, um, and it just stays in your head. So I thought every week we could just shout out a single song and how it got in our head, what it's doing in our head, and whether it deserves to be in our head. Sam, where's your head at? Where's your head at? What <laughs> song is in your fucking head this week? Uh, this week, as it has been for most of this year, to be honest, is uh, Destroy, Create, Transform, Sublimate by Destrage. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So that is the opening song on their 2014 album, Are You Kidding Me? No. One of my favourite albums from that period, I have mm. to say. Great I mean, record. That is how I discovered Destrage, was um, you talking about them in, I believe it was the Albums of the Decade podcast you did um, as as part of Riot Act. Uh, and I was like, oh, I've definitely heard Steve mention Destrage before. I should mm. check him out. And I put the album on and just that opening track. So th- there are, I'm sure other people get this as well. There's sometimes where you listen to an album where that first song is so good, you actually struggle to listen to the rest of it. And mm-hmm. Destroy, Create, Transform, Sublimate is definitely one of those songs for me. Uh, why has it been stuck in my head? Because it's a bit of a an utter kind of befuddling bombardment. Because, you know, it starts off as a weird kind of prog lick and all sorts of weird and wonderful time signatures. And then it, you just get those amazing 
sing-along choruses um it's fucking brilliant and it goes so hard and it goes to so many places oh it's a belter what do you think of it i love it i love it mate yeah. It's quite a way to start your album, minute. For sure. That's what it sounds, it sounds like a um, Dr. Zoidberg on <laughs> um, on Futurama. Like you're yeah. starting your album with that noise, and yet you've managed to make a really, really catchy song from like essentially, ostensibly, a progressive gent tech metal mm. math thing. Right? It's it's fucking mad. That song. It's great. I'm quite surprised that you said that that as a song is like the topper, if you like, because for me, the first three, I think it peaks with my green neighbor, that record. Mm. Like that is a banger. Shoot zombies in the face. Shoot, wee, shoot zombies in our face. I think that is the big hook of the entire album. But I cannot deny that. Like I, I remember, I think I've probably told this story on various platforms many times over the years since this record came out in 2014. I got sent this record at the end of 2013 for Metal Hammer going, no, you can mm. you review this for like the February issue? So they obviously like when it gets to the end of the year, they got to do kind of two issues in advance. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was going from London Waterloo to uh, Weybridge where my dad lived, which is like a 40 minute journey. So just around roughly the length of the record. Mm. And I had my old iPod, iPod classic, great times i'd saved this album onto that and i was like well i've got to review this album I might as well sit on the train and listen to it and as soon as that thing came in i was like holy shit by the end of the first song i was like it's like the 9th of december and this is already my of 2013 and this is already my favorite <laughs> album of 2014 like done and it was as well and yeah like those grooves are absolutely massive there's so many different bits to it i think what i love about this song and what i love about destrage in particular is that there doesn't really seem to be any like any sort of um what's the word i'm looking for like they don't seem to care no about creating a coherent song structure and pop peppering their music full of hooks and making it super catchy because i've had people go oh my god i can't listen to this it's just fucking noise it's mad isn't it? it's all over mm. the place and i'm like well yeah but i actually find this them this album in particular and this song like incredibly catchy yeah Incre it's like super catchy i think it's hook filled i mean when you just take that opening song the one that i've uh you know had stuck in my head as i say for basically most of this year to be honest there's so many individual hooks you know uh i mean obviously you've got destroy create transform sublimate take the risk pack your shit and go brilliant in the chorus fucking brilliant and then you know as you go into the second verse the pinch harmonic into the really low basically kind of breakdown thing and then i mean the apex of that song for me before you get to the kind of drum freak out at the end is the um that i will find my way i will marry an idea oh it's so good like quite often that is well catchy it's so yeah. good mate quite often i'll be and stunned. it's only once it's, it's only in the song once yeah in and out they fucking chuck it away that is absolutely mad like there are bands who would center an entire song around that hook it's fucking mm. great but there's so many times where i'll be setting up at the day job i'll have it on and i'll just be standing in there fucking belting it out and uh with the windows open to get some fresh air in the pub and i'll quite often get some strange looks from people walking through the streets of leicester but i don't care because i like this song a lot oh god it's so good yeah. yeah it's really really great if you haven't heard that record you should absolutely listen to it and i can see mm. how something like that now, now once i've thought of that, do you know the bit that's stuck in for my i just when you said that to me so why i said to sam what's what are you doing what are you gonna have like stuck in your head because so i can listen to it and as soon as you sent me that i had 
like that's just as I was I was walking yeah. like even without even listening to it it was like oh there it is there it is in my head so yeah like the the rarest of the rare I think a gent tech metal progressive metalcore math rock banger yeah full of hooks yeah on paper this band shouldn't work and they certainly shouldn't appeal to my kind of tastes like you know as you say when you talk about like gent and tech and stuff like that I mean obviously I like my sugar but that's kind of the beginning and end of it and so many bands that you use gent as a tool lean on it too heavily uh, and I think Destroyers they're a bit of a one-off bit of a one-off I think they're fucking brilliant they're brilliant and yes I know I know their album came out last week their new album came out last week their, their sixth record so much too much We'll do that because they're a great band. Mm. They're a great band, and I, I like. It just completely passed me by that song. Uh, that song, that album, totally passed me by. Sorry, guys. Sorry, we will we will do Destrage because it is fucking awesome. Um, in my head, I've had the beginning of the end by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, the opening song proper from their 2007 album Year Zero. Now, it's not. I'm not being cryptic or anything, but I go, oh, it's the beginning of the end and I just felt like it. I'm not doing that. It's actually far more simple why this is stuck in my head, right? So I got the new Architects album, Ooh. which again, we'll be covering the new Architects album. Uh, and I was listening to it. We'll chat about this. Do we have <laughs> to? Going, oh. <laughs> uh, Mate, I'm being I, bawdy, Steve. Enjoy it. I Well, I'm very much enjoying it. I'm very Good. much enjoying the... Uh, but but I, did, I just thought to myself, I, I, well, I was going to say something about the Architects album. I, Save I, it. I, but, I'll save it. But anyway, I was listening to it and I was enjoying it. That's what I will say. I was enjoying it and I was like, yeah, yeah. there's one song on it that really sounds like Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Mm. It really, really sounds like, and I couldn't help, I was going, this sounds like, this sounds like Closer. It really sounds like Closer. Like, they've ripped it, like, you know, fair play to them. They've seen a good song. They've gone, well, that came out 28 years ago. We'll have it. It's probably a bit too famous to do that and not anyone noticed but you know they've ripped off a great song and it made me go oh yeah fucking hell it does sound like Closer so I listened to Closer and then I was like oh I'm listening to Nine Inch Nails and I've been going walking and I was walking along listening to Nine Inch Nails and I this song came on and I was like oh my god this is you know that boom boom da da boom ba boom, that it's almost got a fucking My Sharona beat yeah. at the start of it. Yeah. and I was like th- I think this is the moment when I realised that Nine Inch Nails, for all the kind of, this is very, like Trent Reznor's a genius and they're very worthy and they're, you know, very expansive, incredible, crafted, dark, this sort of dark prints of creating these sonic textures and stuff. Actually, some of Nine Inch Nails material, just bangers, just party bangers. And like, this just sort of struts along, balls along. It's got, it's got like, it's one, I, one of the first times where I was like, oh, Nine Inch Nails are like a like a sort of rock and roll band as well. Mm. They've got that kind of rock and roll swagger. They've got, I think Josh Homme had actually been working with them around the sort of year zero era. And I think you can kind of tell from bits and bobs of year zero. I think year zero is very good. It's not way up the top of my favourite ever albums by Nine Inch Nails, but I do think it's it's good. And when it's good, it's great. You know, capital G survivalism i think is really good vessels great meet your masters good you know the great destroyer i think is excellent well like there's some really cool songs on that record it's not the greatest nine inch nails album though no i but go on well no i was gonna i was gonna say but like 
when it bangs, it fucking bangs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can't disagree. I mean, I think you're absolutely right about... I think Trent, yeah, sometimes people overlook his ability to just write really good, yeah, catchy songs um, in whatever genre he wants to turn his hands to. I mean, if you think about something off Bad Witch, like God Break Down the Door, like that's a really weird kind of dark jazz freak out, but there's still a hook to it that you can really latch on to. It's not totally kind of opaque all the way through. Um, yeah, when you uh, said this was the one you'd been listening to, I was like, oh, I mean, I know that song, but obviously, because it's Nine Inch Nails, but it's like, I don't immediately recall it. And yeah, Year Zero is it's one of the one one of the albums of Nine Inch Nails back catalogue I go back to probably the least often. Um, and then, as you say, I was looking through the track list, it's like, why don't I listen to this more? This is fucking great. Um, I think the build on this song is just unbelievable. The way that ev- almost every single bar, there's a new sort of instrumental texture or layer added. It just builds up to this massive cacophony that almost tries to hide its kind of pop sensibility, but it's so fucking good. And to be honest, listening to it again, because since seeing Nine Inch Nails at Brixton earlier this year, I have been doing a bit of a dive into them every now and then, just like revisiting um well basically all of their stuff uh naturally going back to downward spiral and the fragile most often uh but i've been really getting into the slip this year and i think that um hyperpower into the beginning of the end makes a really good kind of mirror for 999,000 into 1 million off the slip i think there's an interesting kind of structural um kind of yeah mirror there where they both follow a, a theme that builds up into the first song proper um, yeah, it is uh, obviously a banger. I mean, I don't need to tell you that Nine Inch Nails are good. Oh, no, no. Anytime Trent Reznor gets the tambourine out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When he get, as soon as he grabs that tambourine, you're like, here we Shit's go. Shit's about to kick here off. Here we go. Here we go. I'm about to throw some shapes, I think. I think I'm going to throw some shapes. And you're going to throw some shapes out. Yeah, to be fair, The Slip is one of the few Nine Inch Nails albums where, I mean, I never listen back to The Slip. I think Hesitation Marks was one where I think, again, strong opening mm. on hesitation marks and then it does drop off a wee bit to be fair but like i really like the three eps we don't need to talk too much about night and entire back catalog i just was like fuck i'm gonna listen to that song mm. again like my sharona for goths in it <laughs> my sharona for angry politicized goths definitely that's a hell of a fucking put that pitch, put that on it? the poster put that on the poster that's what you should be putting on the i mean it would be weird to commission a poster for an album that came out 15 years ago yeah but Trent Reznor's a genius like he can do anything people would think well what a genius mm, yeah. well there's obviously something far far more interesting <laughs> and deep going on here anyway that's what I've been listening to that's what Sam's been listening to let's get on with some news it's only really one bit of news because of course when we have a official funeral as we've just had in this country Everything sort of stops, so there's not much. Do you watch the funeral? It's long, wasn't it? Uh, I saw a bit of it. Like, I'll be honest. I think I think I made fairly clear that uh, I'm I'm not a monarchist. Um, don't don't you hate did, him. Yeah, don't I, I dislike the institution. Liz herself, sure she was a right laugh, but yeah, I saw a bit of it, and uh, well, I think I saw about five minutes. Made one pithy tweet. Well, not even that good obviously but then I just was like, oh, I'll make a joke about Earth Crisis being there. Uh, no, did you watch much of it? <laughs> Mate, I started watching, I thought, well, I'll watch a bit of it because basically, for I live in a village. <laughs> when I went out in the morning, I was like, this is like fucking 28 days later. There's nobody, the co-op was shut. They shut the vets. Like, oh, my cat's got to die just because someone, not that she did, but like, imagine if she's suddenly like, oh, my dog's puked up bile and just can't move. 
sorry we'll get to it tomorrow yeah. when the queen's been it's like well is that really what that's is that you think that's what she'd want i don't anyway so it just went on a bit i mean it went on too long i thought we're all going to be dead by the time this ends aren't we surely it's going on way too long yeah. i hate any like i go to a wedding if it's over 20 if the ceremony's over 20 minutes i'm like come on <laughs> i went to i remember going to a christening once and it was like a fucking hour and it's like you're just dipping a kid's head in some water get on in with and it. out you do get do on with it a day if you're efficient yeah 15 you could do thousands if you're a priest well should have it down pat uh, yeah i was thinking i could do 15 a day but that would be with a kind of like slight fumble and be like oh nearly dropped him <laughs> bit of you know yeah bit of routine in there uh, so. yeah a bit of slapstick oh. not slapstick is i think it's fast <laughs> um but anyways there's not been much news basically is what i was going to say but we should mention good old ozzy osbourne he has landed his first ever US number one with the album Patient Number Nine, which made its way to the top of the Billboard top album sales chart with 52,500 equivalent albums, uh, units of albums in its first week. So 44,500 physical sales. Mm. That's 16,500 on vinyl, 27,500 on CD. CD? Oh, a granddad. And... I mean, God bless whoever these people are. 500 cassettes. <laughs> Dear me. 500, 500 cassettes of the Ozzy Osbourne album. Now, Sam, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. Not only am I thought the most sort of surprising thing about this this story was that Ozzy had never had a number one album in mm. the US because, you know, he's always done very well in the US, and particularly in the 80s when he was putting his best work out. Let's be honest, it was his best work. Solo. That was a very, very popular type of music at that point. You know, Metallica was supporting him on the Master of Puppets tour. I would have thought that Bark at the Moon. Blizzard of Oz, yeah, all that. Something yeah. like that would have gone to number... You would have thought one of them would have topped the, the Billboard charts, but no, apparently not. So I thought that was the most surprising thing about this story. Turns out the most surprising thing of this story is that that 500 cassettes <laughs> of the new Ozzy Osbourne album exist. <laughs> Is madness to me. That's mad to me. When, but they, they got you sold that them. That is mad. Uh, I mean, they must have been like part of, I don't know, a limited edition thing because there's a lot of, you know, collectors and uh, all that out there. People who just want every format of everything, you know, every version. Um, when was the last time you bought a cassette? When was the last time I bought a cassette? It probably would have been 1993, I uh, reckon. Do you remember what it was? I reckon <sighs> it would have been a single. Right. It would have been. I'm trying to think. I, I, I've got. I used to have a little cassette holder, and it had my cassettes in, and it has a very limited shelf life because when I was a kid, I'd collect mm. vinyl. Collect vinyl. <laughs> when you're when I was four, I was not saying I was collecting vinyl. <laughs> I just was. I I got some records right, so I had some records. So I had shit like. So when I think about the latter stuff that I had on sort of seven inch vinyl, do the Bartman, um, shock it. You know shamefully to the guys from pop collaborating listen i did get i can't help fall in love with you by ub40 uh, on seven inch informer by snow i had on seven inch vinyl so you're looking at that sort of era and then i think i was like well records are kind of going out start getting tapes instead tape singles definitely had things can only get better by d ream oh, on tape yeah, yeah. definitely boom shake the room i had on tape definitely um chakademus and pliers what one did I have with Chakadim? Oh, it was uh, Twist and Shout. Classic. So probably the, the yeah. best one, if you're going to get any of them. The best one. And 
yeah, that would have been that would have been the 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 last. And then I got a CD player. It was only a very short period where I sort of focused on tapes. So I reckon the last tape I bought, I'm going to say possibly it was Boom Shake the Room by uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Oh, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. God, the Fresh Prince was good. Mm. Friday nights on BBC Two. Brilliant. What? Friday nights on BBC mate. Two? You're misremembering oh, that. Mate. Fr- fr- no, fr- it was six o'clock. Friday night after I finished school. You get you get a double oh. of the Simpsons, you get Robot Wars, and you get the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and a Fish and Chip Tea. Brilliant. Yeah, those those were the fucking. The nineties were great, they? weren't they? Clearly, yeah. they were. They were great. They were good. When was the last time you bought? What was the last thing you bought on tape then? Uh, it was probably only about two or three years ago. Um, the what? Uh, well, hang on. It's all right. I'm gonna get some cool points back in a minute because it's a it's a Leicester grindcore band called Nothing Clean. They released an out uh, a, a well equivalent seven inch on tape and I was just like oh it's only a fiver I'll get that put some money in your have in you your got bucket. a tape player no what are you doing just it looks good doesn't it no the no presentation oh good. I can get it in a minute no you don't need to get I it I don't know if I could find it to be honest mate so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to George from Nothing Clean if he ever listens to this I didn't listen to it that is insane I mean I know America's a big place but 500 people buying a cassette that's mad the same cassette just the one I, I, I thought they sold 500 well they did They, but it's the same same album 500 different <gasps> ver- versions of anyway and 8,000 <laughs> digital downloads I'm surprised it's uh, that weighted in kind of physical sales in terms of I don't know if that's just how they record it you know if they kind of I don't know use the streams to bolster it a bit I don't know I'm, but I'm surprised that physical would outweigh digital that hard in terms of this album well it says as the Billboard chart measures in terms of traditional sales, the 4.64 million on-demand streams of the album were excluded from the overall total. Uh, and it got no. to number nine in the UK. Uh, no, sorry, okay. it got to number two. Sorry, I patient number no. nine. I was going to say, that, that would be two. apt, yes. Mm. Um, yeah, so it went in on number one of the Billboard's rock and alternative albums, top rock albums, top hard rock albums, current top album sales, tastemaker albums, and vinyl albums. So you know, it's uh, fair play. Well, it's good. well done, Aussie. Aussie's other charting positions. I've got them here actually. Uh, in the US, oh. anyway. Um, Ordinary Man in 2020 got to number two. That was his highest fucking one. Scream got to number four. Black Rain number three. Down to Earth number four. Osmosis number four. No More Tears got to number seven. It's not great, is it? I mean, like I'm, no. none of the. Well, apart from sort of no more tears you're not looking at the sort of real real big ones i mean i suppose i did say i had a bit of a soft spot for osmosis last week so i do think that's a good record but yeah i was quite surprised to see that ozzy had never had a number one before and i, th- I don't know if i'm surprised that he'd never had one before or surprised that he finally got one with with this <laughs> with a shite album i mean yeah i'm kind of surprised on both but uh yeah fair enough well done to him fair enough well done you ozzy um that is really the only bit of news all right, so let's start with our little roundup of stuff with Rina Sawayama, Hold Girl, the second album from the UK stroke Japanese solo artist, the follow-up to 2020's debut Sawayama album, which was great, and she's back. Now, that was one of my favourite albums of that year. Mm. I feckin' loved that record, and I feckin' loved what Rina was doing. I actually recognised a few of the songs from this album that we're about to talk about from seeing her as main support to Elton John in the summer at British Summertime, which was really very good. 
really good. Yes. I forgot that that was the lineup for that show. Um, yeah, I remember you speaking quite, well, I would imagine very positively, but I mean, naturally, the, the, the bulk of the review would have been on Elton John, but yeah, Rena, yeah, fucking, yeah, fair play, doing well, doing Very, well. very good. Actually, I think she's just finished touring like, this week, just gone, I think, as well, which is annoying. Is that right? Oh, uh, it might have been the first leg or something, because I'm seeing her at the end of October at Rock City. Oh, do you know what? I don't know when anything's happening anymore. Somebody messaged me and was like, oh, I'm seeing Rena Samuel on Sunday, and I was like, Really? Oh, and I went to see my mates play instead. Mm. It's good though, but you did, know, did he? Did they do many bangers? No, no, no bangers uh. at all. Uh, no, no. Um, Sam, you your thoughts on Rina Sawayama before we get into the record itself? How were you excited about this record? Um, I was quite excited about this record. I thought the debut was really, really good. Uh, yeah, really good album to be honest. But um, as I. Sp- I feel like I keep saying this over and over again. It's not an album I ever really went back to all that much. I think there was a good sort of fortnight where it was on fairly regular rotation. And then, yeah, not really thought about it until, well, just a couple of weeks ago when I heard she'd got this new one on the way. Um, I um, am kicking myself for not being more excited. Although at the same time, I'm quite glad that I wasn't too hyped for it and checking out every single beforehand because I think one of the great things about this album is just how well it sort of flows together as a whole. Um how excited were you having heard some of this material live prior uh, prior to release i was very excited i mean i was excited because i really liked the first record and then i saw her and i thought she was mm. really good the thing with the elton john gig is that she didn't play some of the more boisterous material from her debut record sure. which i think made sense in amongst that crowd really like there were mm. a few that she played i mean for example she played this hell and i remember thinking oh. there and then like well this new album's going to be good then. If, if, if everything's going to be like this, this is going to be really, really good. And um, I did sort of think to myself, it's getting big now. I mean, you know, Sawayama is an album which is very kind of bold and distinctive and it goes into the many, many different stylistic areas and it felt like a proper like roller coaster. Mm. And so I was like, let's go, let's go. And it starts quite slow and it's quite lush and it takes a little while to get going and i was a little bit like oh i was expecting her to just be like boom i'm back and you don't really get that but then i think that just means that when you get to that first hook on the title track it is such mm. a brilliant release and when that beat and those strings come back in it's just it's just such a banger and you're just like ah that's actually a really good thing to have done to 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 make people kind of wait for the the sort of the mm. release of the not just the sort of physical actual release of the album but to release it like <laughs> oh here we go we're we're away and um to, you know to follow that up with this is hell uh, sorry this hell which is just awesome like great vocal and guitar line kind of working in tandem together that line about the paparazzi fuck what they did to britney princess Diana, and whitney true that that hook of this hell is better with you it, it's just like an absolutely brilliant brilliant pop song super instantaneous production is great obviously as you would expect it to be and i don't know it just feels sort of timeless you know it doesn't it feels modern Mm. but it doesn't feel like it's i mean there's a couple of things that we might mention later i'm like this does feel like it kind of fits into a particularly modern pop trope and nothing does you get what three tracks in and you're like this doesn't really feel like it's sort of trying to ape or copy anything particularly. It's just very good pop music. 
Yeah, definitely. That that opening run of three is um, distinctly Rina Sawayama. I think it's absolutely fucking brilliant. I mean, as you say, um, when you get to that, the chorus of Hold the Girl when it first comes in, I mean, it's just like... I think when I'm at Rock City, I'm probably going to cry when that bit comes in because the power that you, you know, the power and kind of indignation you hear in her voice and the defiance, I just think it's absolutely stunning. Um, and it's also got maybe the best key change of the year as it goes into the final chorus and just sort of steps up like half a step, maybe a whole step. I'm not kind of musically technically versed enough to know and I've got a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a tone deafness. But it's amazing. Uh, I mean, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi got nothing on that key change. <laughs> brilliant. And yeah, this hell, Oh my God, what a rager. Uh, I don't think, I mean, we'll get to it. don't think it's the biggest banger on this album. Um, but there's some great lyrics. I mean, obviously, got my invitation to eternal damnation. Get in line past the wine, bitch. We're all going straight to hell. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Right. Um, the other one I did pick out is because um, the devil's wearing Prado and loves a little drama, which as a line is better than the entirety of the career of the band with the same name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That, you're, yeah. You're, I didn't actually pick up on that, but I was just, gonna, just <laughs> saying the devil wears Prada in a song by a good artist kind of... Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it totally devalues and makes the band the devil wears prada completely irrelevant yeah nice it highlights their ineptitude but yeah as you say i think it is from catch me in the air where you get uh, something that feels like it maybe leans into um who sawayama's influences may have been i mean for me when i was listening to it and i don't know if i'm well wide of the mark but i thought it's not a million miles away from a shania twain song this it's kind of got that lilting i don't know kind of jaunty vibe to it there's even a little bit of Blondie in the kind of like the very like um, subtle bells motif ringing ring in the background. It made me think of Maria. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, it's just a big song that this is oh, a big rom-com cute meat background music thing. <laughs> right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's what it is. You'd expect like uh, Anne Hathaway to get to spill, gets coffee spilled all over her by insert hunky actor here while she's on her way to a job interview and then they end up yeah. getting married like it's that kind of like and you know th th there's nothing wrong with that i think that's like a uh, perfectly fine and and good th that type of music needs to exist um it's big it's not one of my favorite songs i think it kind of taps into mm. one thing that i don't have many criticisms of this album i have to say um i do think it is quite a bit more measured than her debut record and i kind yeah. of like the chaos of of the debut record and i think this is a far less chaotic record I, I think again you know like it's not really a criticism it's just a you know it's just something which i noticed an album mm -hmm. like an album with a song like forgiveness on which starts like midnight cowboy the faith never yeah. version if you're a rocker but either is fine you know just a lush it's kind of bond theme core so i'm gonna start tagging that stuff as bond theme core because there's a lot of it around um mm. at the moment and you know it's just i guess it's a bit like the charlie xcx album but but not as much like when when people kind of moaned and groaned about charlie xcx moving away from hyper pop and into just more sort of mainstream pop on mm. you know that on crash on a recent record and obviously rena has worked with charlie xcx recently i think Rena on a previous record was not as uh she was not as deep into that the kind of the tropes and the confines of that particular stylistic genre as Charlie XCX was like a decade ago so I don't think the goalposts have had to move 
quite as far and I don't think it's going to upset people quite as much but I do think this is very much more of a measured kind of I guess like without I don't want to sound snobby or anything but like a kind of a classier record a kind of classier more traditionally sounding record um mm. but that's not a problem when you have you know something like your age which is awesome I mean maybe it's because I'm a fucking new metal kid but it's she she goes a bit Mike Shinoda in there as well <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah i mean i can't really argue with that i mean i just think you know the words mike shinoda i generally assume are going to be insulting but um <laughs> yeah i mean it is it's a fucking it's a massive 4-4 four, four stomper your age it's absolutely brilliant and it is yeah it's i think it's a bit more explicitly dour kind of in the in, in the mood and feeling of the instrumentation on that song i think there's been a kind of cheeky vulnerability in some of the lyrics you know when you think about hold the girl i mean that is just a big bombastic song but i think there's you know there are words and phrases and lyrics in there that hide that, uh, you know, really talking about something really important. I think your age is a bit more sort of sit you down and be like, right, okay, like you're not listening properly. So here's this one to really grab you in. Um, I thought uh, Holy Till till You Let Me Go started sounding out, uh, started out sounding a bit more like Euro dancey as well. So again, I think it does lean into some tropes. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it, it feels a lot more pared back. It does feel a more measured one, um, particularly forgiveness, I think. Um, and actually the kind of final three of um, mm. So My Love to John, Phantom and To Be Alive. I think they're the kind of, they're the the ballads to end it, aren't they? Um, although yeah. I do think the guitar solo in Phantom um, makes every pop rock and every glam rock band look quite embarrassing because that solo is almost a bit throwaway. Where mm. you know, whereas other bands would probably use that as the centerpiece of their song. Um, I yeah. expected a big bombastic power ballad on this record, and oh. I actually think it really needed it. And that is the moment where you get it because there was a, mm. a few sort of things where I was like, "Is this the big sort of power ballad one?" And it wasn't. Mm. And I think it had gone to a place. I mean, like I really like imagining. I think that actually does have a slight nod to the, what she did with Charlie XCX. It's a kind of much more commercial variant of the hyper pop thing, I guess. Mm. Frankenstein's massive. It's got a kind of modern rock again. I'm not going to say power ballad, but almost like kind of big musical sort of rock song. Mm. And what is it? Pop stars keep going on about being monsters all the time at the moment. You're not monsters, guys. <laughs> You're not monsters. You're lovely, if anything. You're lovely, if anything. Um, um, Hurricanes is probably my least favourite. I mean, that is a bit Lindy Lohan movie in 2005, original soundtrack, to be honest. It's not terrible, but it's not the best. Yeah, I mean, for Hurricanes, I said, you know, it's kind of, it's a quite grand, sweeping, ballady kind of in the rock vein. Um, I thought it's one of those ones that could easily be performed at Reading and Leeds or Glastonbury, but it could also kind of go down well at Slam Dunk as well, because it has got the kind mm -hmm. of more rocky bent to it. Um I'll let you carry on with what you're saying because I would like to go back to Frankenstein in a moment. Okay, fine. That's cool. Well, no, I mean, you know, I think that's sort of the end of the records uh, to be alive. Similar to John. I mean, similar to John is the quietest and sort of sweetest mm. song on the record. I think it's decent. I think Phantom is good. To um, to be alive is, is, is a, a, a nice way to finish the record as well. I think it's slightly, I don't want to say it fizzles out, but I think it kind of allows itself to just drift away. I think that's a stylistic thing. I would mm. maybe have liked one more big banger if I was being greedy. But I think this record is definitely different. Do I like it more than the last one? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's great, though. I do think it's really, really good. I think there's nothing on here where I'm like, oh, no. There's a couple that I'm like, they're all right. There's a lot where I'm like, this is amazing. Like you say, first three, 
forgiveness is great you know holy your age frankenstein hurricanes uh, oh no sorry not hurricane um you know to be alive i think that those are good songs those are really great songs definitely um yeah i think as i say i've not really kind of thought all that much about the debut i think i'd need to go back again and ab them which i did in advance of this and i think actually i probably do prefer the debut because my favorite moment on this album is frankenstein i think it's uh, just an absolute fucking worldie that's where it really lets loose goes into the kind of i don't know <laughs> mad dance like euphoria mm. that you'd want from from a contemporary pop star i think it's absolutely brilliant the vocal lines on it are amazing there's so many times where i've just been walking around singing the the hook that is the bridge and then goes into the chorus and then you got the mad drum freak out at the end which i think does go back to the kind of chaos of the debut album so yeah i think on reflection i probably do prefer the first one but there's not much in it i think this is a i think this is a storming album um i think i kind of yeah, spoiled it a little bit last week because when i listened to this on release when it came out setting up at work i was just like right there's about three songs from this that are going on the work playlist i don't care what anyone else says these are going on um i think in terms of new releases this is my favorite album of this month thus far i think this is fucking really? brilliant yeah i love this it's well good i mean it is really really fucking good i think there is probably like a cigarette paper between the two records and she is mm. excellent she's everything about her is excellent you've mentioned some of this sort of acerbic lyrical um, jibes that she's got in there don't necessarily think she's deliberately jibing at the devil wears prada but you know, <laughs> no congratulations on not even trying and getting it right as opposed to the devil wears prada who are really <laughs> trying and never getting it right so hold the girl by rena sawayama yeah like this is a a sort of comfortable eight for me definitely mm. definitely a comfortable eight um we'll see it were it i think it's too early to say it would push into a nine for me at the moment i'd say this is a a, a high eight i reckon i i would agree i'd say this is definitely a, a strong eight out of ten album um if you haven't heard it go and listen to it and to be honest if you sort of get like four or five tracks in and you're like oh, that's not really for me just skip to frankenstein because it's so good and then go back and listen to the album in full because you're a plonker if you don't yeah, well, I was going to say, you got, you've missed a bunch of great stuff already. If you skip, yeah. skip straight to Frankenstein, you'd be mad. Anyway, there you go. Hold the Girl by Irina Sawayama. That is out now, as is No Oblivion by No Devotion, which is the second studio album from the mashup of Thursday, Jeff Rickley from Thursday. And sorry, lads, if you're listening, um, apologies for bringing this up, but it's hard to not bring up the part Thursday, part Lost Profits mashup. Now, mm. obviously... It's the guys in Lost Profits who we should be embracing and having no ill feeling towards whatsoever. Let's just make sure everybody listening is aware of that. But this is the follow-up to 2013, 2013, 2015, wasn't it? Sorry, 2013. Yeah. 2015's Permanence album, which was fucking ace. I loved that record. It was great. And it felt like a really fantastic comeback for some people who had been through a tough time yeah, in the years prior to that. And they were leaning in on a bunch of stuff, which I, I just really, really like. And I did think to myself, is that it? Like, you know, we've been seven years, you know, it's a long, long time without records for no devotion. So I did sort of think to myself, is that it? Is that all we're going to ever get? And so I was dead excited to hear that they were working on new, new music. And I was pretty excited to hear that this, album was on its way and was coming out um 
but before we get into this record again sam no devotion as a band do you have any sort of prior relationship with them as a band do you enjoy them as a band do you know anything about them do you hate them <laughs> i definitely don't hate them um okay good i i had uh no relationship with this band i mean i knew that the members of a previous outfit had started something new but it's not something i'd ever particularly listened to um because well, quite honestly i never listened to lost profits when they were about so i hadn't kept a kind of weather eye on what the members were doing um yeah no devotion um i i'd not heard a note before you suggested that we were going to cover this um and as a result you know knowing who the members were jeff rickley of thursday and you know lee gaze and Stuart richardson um i was surprised at what i got when i pressed play on starlings because well, i don't know what i was expecting but it wasn't this which is you know a kind of <laughs> basically a massive kind of goth synth pop banger as as the whole album unfolds to be um yeah, it really took me by surprise. And um, I think Jeff Rickley on that first song is amazing. He demonstrates his ability to go from a croon to a more kind of Chino-esque almost. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say yelp, but it's got that far away kind of reverby production on it. And then you do get a little bit of screaming just thrown in there. Just a couple of bars of screams throughout the song. It's fucking brilliant. Um, but I think on this song in particular, and I don't think it's all the way through, but I'd say overall, I would say... Stuart Richardson is the man of the match of this record for me because those deep, fuzzy bass lines locked around those program drums, I think he's played a blinder on this. But yeah, I wasn't expecting to hear an album that pulls from Joy Division and New Order and The Cure from people from the bands they were in. Well, yeah, I mean, that is exactly the the sort of point of, uh, I think, of not Notivation were. Mm always saying that they, they, were, they were going to do and it is that 80s post-punk thing and to be fair to them you know i know that's kind of zeitgeisty now it was much less zeitgeisty in 2015 mm. much less zeitgeisty so i think this is a record that comes from pure love in fact uh not the band with um <laughs> the mate from gallows but like from actual their yeah. you know their genuine love of that stuff and someone like thursday you would look at jeff rickley from thursday and you go yeah yeah you know you can see how morrissey and the cure would be a big influence on thursday mm. And probably, you know, Joy Division as well and Ian Curtis. But this, I mean, I think if you go back and listen to Permanence, which I thoroughly suggest that you, Sam, and everybody listening mm. does do, this is a much more lush and actually quite a sombre sounding record. I mean, in the years between Permanence and this record, they have become, as far as I'm aware, a three-piece at this point. So it's Jeff yeah. Rickley, Lee Gaze, Stuart Richardson and you know the the other members from the band previously have moved on and uh, you know they're doing other things or whatever but they managed to make you say Starlings manages to do that Duran Duran doing the chauffeur thing and mm. I think like when I think like this is going way back when my band supported Lost Profits back in like 2000 and might have been 2000 might be 2000 might be 2000 that we support them 2000 2001 mm. sort of time anyway um i remember chatting to i think it was jamie oliver the former keyboardist guitar uh, not guitarist um the keyboardist dj the dj of lost profits who was in no i know was in novation for a little bit right and he was we were talking about Duran, like me and him were talking about Duran Duran for about 45 minutes oh cool and i was like oh you love all that shit and he was like yeah yeah i, I fucking we all fucking love that stuff so I don't think this is, you know, it's, this is not a cynical sort of 
cash in because this is quite a zeitgeisty sound or whatever because i feel like it is you know there's like there's a lot of bands that are doing this kind of thing these days but i don't believe that that is the reason for no devotion existing so i just want to kind of i don't think anyone's even suggesting that anyway but that duran duran doing the chauffeur really slow dreamy yet stalking and threatening at the same time the hook is amazing Mm. grabbed me immediately I absolutely fucking love it. And then it's followed up by this massive swirling Blade Runner style Vangelis synth that comes in on the title track. And it's so good. And I have to say, I mean, you mentioned Stuart Richardson as man of the match and I wouldn't argue against that, but I have to say there's something about Jeff Rickley Mm. and what he does. And he is a great vocalist and a deceptively great vocalist those notes that he hits are deceptively high and yet he can get down really really low as well he can do that kind of somber whisper and it's really really impressive when he goes from that to like hitting these skyscraper choruses it's very impressive but it's not showy it doesn't feel like a showy vocal performance at all but he can just do both those i mean that song's also an awesome song it gets a ball industrial and angry just before the chorus comes in. And then when the chorus hits, it's just like, it's like being shot out of a jet in a, in a, what are they called? Those ejector seats. I've been shot yeah. out of an ejector seat. Cause you just go boom and you're, you're away and you, you're gone. Um, and like I say, the kind of stalking, dark, threatening mood of a song, like a sky deep and clear mm. is great. And yet Rickley gives you a hook all the time. I I think there's bits like like love songs from fascist Italy goes for a sort of mid period talk talk thing, which is obviously a bit of me, and then we get a banger straight after that a kind of the um, Sisters of Mercy style <laughs> stabbing throbbing thing on uh, on the the end of longing yeah and um there's that line that Rickley you know, Jeff Rickley says just be calm the water's rising in your bedroom and he's always been great at delivering these really kind of weird lines and he can do that and it sounds amazing and he just you know, like he pens another great chorus mm. there's loads of New Order style guitar work from Lee Gaze on Endless Desire mm. um, it's brilliant yeah I thought Endless Desire came exactly when it needed to in the album because as you say I think it's quite um almost borderline quite aggressive for the first two thirds of the record I think um kind of um reaching its climax with End of Longing which for me I would probably say is my is my favorite track but I mean I'm talking about an album with what uh eight nine fantastic tracks um like everything on here is brilliant um The End of Longing's got that kind of chilling dance ability to it and then you get yeah, I'd say almost, almost leans into the kind of shoegazy end of where post-punk kind of has it adapted in the intervening years between its initial popularity and its kind of, you know, resurgence in contemporary culture. Uh, I think Endless Desire is mm. fucking fantastic when it comes in, almost to the point where I feel repeaters kind of going back to what they were doing before. I think repeaters is perhaps the weakest moment on a very, very strong album for me. I think that as well. Yeah. I think that I think there are, like you say, eight songs on this record. Mm. I think seven of those songs are incredible because I think In a Broken Land feels oh. like every single, every single, it's like they're going, right, this is the last song. Let's put every single post-punk, new wave, synth pop band all in together mm. that we have in our minds and just do all of it. And this is an excellent, moving, thoughtful, well-crafted selection of dark pop songs. Mm. 
this is fantastic. I'm definitely going to go and check out Permanence. And to be honest, it's made me think, oh, I should look into Thursday a lot deeper than I already have. Like, I've kind of given Thursday a bit of a cursory listen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really pretty flawed by this album to be honest because they're not a band i'd even really well i didn't really know who they were but this is really taking me off guard naturally the ending of as you say it's got this brilliant kind of wash of emotional impact i think the ending of in a broken land where you just get those washed out synths it's so demure and it, it just left me slap jawed it was like shit did that all really just happen it's like yeah um mm. yeah need, need to need to get on this band a bit harder than i have so far Mate, they are great. And I think, for me, this is better than Permanence. And mm. I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. For the first reason, they know what they are now. Yeah. And everybody knows what they are now, right? So there's no like, oh, it's the guys from Lost Profits. With the, it's going to sound like Lost Profits, but with Jeff Rickley on vocals. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm. No one thinks that now. You've had seven years with an album that sounds the way that it did. And Permanence, ultimately, for me, there's great stuff on permanence really really good there's still the sort of um there's still the feeling that the people in this rock band in in these who were in these rock bands ultimately like it's not a rock album mm. but there's still the kind of kernel of something it doesn't sound anything like thursday certainly doesn't say anything like lost profits but it does sound a little bit like it's still something of an alternative rock album in some way. That's not an insult, no. but it's just like that's kind of where they were at that point, I think. it's There's none of that here. There's none of it. It is washed away and it is exactly, I think, what they want it to be. So I think there's that, which means it's better. Um, and there's also, and I, you know, this might just be me, but there's also no suggestion that anything here is about we have to move on from the trauma that's just happened in life like everybody like whether you want to admit it or not everybody listened to permanence and they went where's the clues about what's happened mm. with lost profits where's the song that's about how upset they are about that or how they can't you know cope where's the song that sort of says oh we have to do and there were bits of because ah ah that's about that that's about and i think that was like without it being their fault whatsoever that informed the album a little bit people's reaction to it were informed a little bit by that mm -hmm. seven years down the line with a new album that sounds like this nobody's thinking that anymore nobody's thinking that and hey look if you're listening going well i fucking heard permanence and i wasn't thinking that what you said you know you maybe you weren't maybe you weren't but lots of people were yeah i think it's natural that lots of people were right and fine but this isn't um this isn't like you know it's not um it's not going to happen now it's just not going to be a thing that people worry about i don't think mm. so that for me means that this has a far greater chance of you know being um thought of as their definitive record of two i hope they do some more records i'd like to see them do a record every couple of years because I, you know, I could just eat this shit up again. Eight songs in thirty-seven minutes. We just had, you know, ten. Was it ten songs in or eleven songs in with with Reno? It was uh, 11, eleven to eleven. I just said. Tell to, you yeah, what. To, tell you what. It's eleven Stop. songs. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's eleven songs in forty-six minutes. Eight songs here in thirty-seven and a half minutes. Take note, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. 
Just take note, Dave Mustaine. Um, but it's great. No Oblivion by No Devotion. Anything else to say about that at all, Sam? Or are you good? Uh, fucking brilliant album. Want want more. Great want album. more from them, please. So you would not really listen to Thursday that much? Not loads. No, I, I feel that's you... definitely a failing on my part. What an idiot. It is. Yeah. I can't believe that I didn't know the worst thing about you. Oh, you don't yet, but mate. It... You don't yet. <laughs> no, I probably don't, <laughs> to be fair. What Thursday records have you listened to? Because I'm going to recommend some for you right now. Full Collapse, I think, is the only one mm-hmm. that I can definitely say I've heard in full. War All The Time, mate. Get yourself on War All The Time. What a fucking big album that right. is. Huge. I'll do my aim work. Please take these hands, throw them in the river, something and something, something else. Well, if it... Don't if it's think that's even worst, half that good, it sounds like an all-time banger. It's definitely half that good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, right. definitely. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about Lizzo, special. The fourth album from the Detroit-born rapper and singer, the follow-up to 2019's Cause I Love You. Lizzo, right? Now, I hadn't really listened to Lizzo. I always see her and I go, look at her, she looks cool. Mm. But I didn't really know much about her music. How, well, how about you, Sam? Uh, broadly the same I'd heard a few singles because I feel like she's you know pretty ubiquitous in a particular strain mm. of pop music these days like you know Lizzo is a bit of a bit of a cultural figure in in, in the world of pop and yeah I'd certainly never listened to a full album I think I'd probably never even listened to more than <laughs> two of her songs back to back um and don't I feel a fool is what I would say yeah me too because uh, I'm going to say two things up top here. Number one, amazing. Number two, this album, gay bad, isn't it? <laughs> it's gay bad. Yeah. Is Bad by Michael Jackson the best pop album ever? Yeah, pretty much. So gay bad is a big compliment. Um, big words indeed. I mean, it's funny you went for bad because, I mean, on Everybody's Gay, I thought it's a bit of thriller, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Now, Matt Bellamy, if you're listening, <laughs> go and listen to Everybody's Gay, right? Because that is how you write a spooky thriller-esque yeah. song. Not what you did on your last album. <laughs> Rattle some plastic skeletons over your crap. <laughs> Prog rock, you silly bastard. This album, there is so much cool shit going on here. Sampling the Beastie Boys on Girls, <laughs> singing Cold Yellow on Coldplay. Yeah. Not yeah. as much. Um, like I say, like aping thriller, amazing, sassy, hook heavy, bombastic pop album full of stacks horns and soul and sax and all that good shit. But the re- tunes on here that are ridiculous records like this, they live and die on how big those tunes mm. are. And I have been sitting on this because this album came out. It's not July been out the 15th. Like for a, came out. Right. Yeah, it's not been out for a super duper long time. But it's been out a while and I didn't listen to it straight away. And then my mate put it on and I went, what is this? And it was, it was Lizzo. He was like, oh, it's the new Lizzo. Like, have you not heard? And I was like, why have I never listened to fucking Lizzo? He's like, yeah, it's very good, this. I mean, fuck me, Sam. This is absolutely wondrous stuff. Wondrous. From the opening track, the sign, it's just, it's so soulful and playful it's just it's a proper feel-good album 
basically from start to finish. I think it's it's just it's so nice being in Lizzo's company. And there are points on here. I mean, um, particularly uh, probably everybody's gay, but also birthday girl as well, where it's like, yeah, Brilliant. I really just want to like <laughs> be with Lizzo, having pre-drinks, go down to the club, go and have a dance with her, stand at the bar, go, oh, I love you, mate. Oh, I, I, it, <laughs> listening to this album, it's like getting a kebab after the club, oh, are you? Definitely, oh, big time, big time. But it's like it's just it's yeah. such a nice space to inhabit for the what? I mean, this album's short. It's what thirty three minutes. It's, it again, again, right? It's thirty five minutes and sixteen okay. seconds, according to the Wikipedia page. It's twelve yeah. songs. The longest song on the record is three minutes and 35 seconds and that song is everybody's mm. gay and that song could be as long as the Ozzy Osbourne album <laughs> and I'd still go more yeah. more give me that chorus one more time it is fucking awesome about damn time is it the best song of the year Ooh, well it was until you get to to be loved <laughs> two tracks later and you're like oh fuck no this is the best song of the year like I just you know, like you said, the sign is amazing, an amazing way to open the record. I've been home since 2020 twerking and making smoothies. <laughs> like, what a fucking great line. It's just that great, like, hiya, yeah. I'm back. I mean, About Down Time is just, it punches mm. so fucking hard. And not in a, like, aggressive, you know, metal hip-hop kind of aggro hip-hop or, or, like, you know, brutal metal kind of way. But it just sort of, like those fills and those rhythms they're just like they turn with such expert precision and it just makes everything seem so funky so fucking um tight and just so again i use the word propulsive a lot but like propulsive mm. i mean to be loved is like the muppets doing smooth criminal <laughs> and who wouldn't want that that sounds fucking great who wouldn't <laughs> want that that hook is so big i, I mean it's like 40 acres of land on a prairie out in the middle of texas yeah. do you know what i mean it's absolutely gargantuan i don't know how you keep that it's like i don't know how where do you put that hook you'd need the the you, you know they try and put king kong in a in that big cage they had to make that big cage you need that size of cage to keep that hook in it because it's so fucking big big synth shit like fuck me i i love this like i love you bitch goes from this great piano part into this like drunk white wine drunk Whitney Houston synth pop mm. rager it's amazing this record is fucking awesome it really is I mean about damn time you know from the, the moment I heard that from the moment it started it's like well that's me for the next fortnight announcing myself whenever I walk into a room by going it's bad bitch o'clock like, it's just there's so so many just brilliant little little phrases and so many oh. little throwaway things but it's all done in such a just a beautifully specific way where it's just about hey just fucking love yourself mate love yourself you're brilliant like and and well i mean to be honest as brilliant as lizzo may think everyone else is i don't think anyone's quite as brilliant as her she is there are times where you listen to albums that are by solo artists and stuff where sometimes they're you know they're a decent part of it sometimes they actually are to the detriment of the album at places i mean this lizzo album is just like I just I need to listen to more Lizzo because she is clearly just an absolute tour de force of relentless positivity. Um, it's great. The Warsaw Funk on Break Up Twice, which I believe I'm led to believe is a sample mm -hmm. of Lauren Hill's Do What That Thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's 
It's one of the more downplayed tracks that I really, really gravitate towards on this album. And, you know, that's a relative term, the downplayedness, because this is so bombastic, broadly from start to finish. Um, but I, in that one in particular, I love the little brass sort of stabs you get. Um, the almost, I don't know, it probably sounds like an insult to say, but the kind of Mark ronson kind of brass accoutrements you get, I think. Um, but to me, that gives it such grandiosity. It's like, it's, it's aiming for Aretha. It, well, mate, I was I was going to bring up Break Up Twice because, again, there's been a little bit of controversy with this record and it's been sort of fixed now, I think, on, on mm. Girls, which, you know, Girls, she got in trouble for using some not great language on it. She's changed it now. Yeah. Not the best song on the album. It's basically like, you know, one of the Beastie Boys' most throwaway songs in her kind of, you know, changing that a bit. But Break Up Twice is where I look at it and I go, okay, so this isn't just like mad, silly, party, everything. No. I mean, it... I've written it down. It sounds like if Amy Winehouse was happy and fulfilled, this is yeah, the sort yeah. of thing that she might make. I think the solo on it is incredible. And again, to have the fucking gall, the balls, if you like, to take a song. I mean, if you're if you're sampling fucking Lauren Hill around mm. me, you best be treating that shit with respect. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. R-E-S-P-E-C-R-E-C-P-E-C motherfucker you know how to spell it um anyway respect right and because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know I fucking love Lauren Hill right you know I'd cut mm. people's heads off if they slagged off Lauren Hill and <laughs> like and so I was like okay well you do you but steady it and it's just great mm. it's just fucking great and I was like yeah good you've you are you are worthy of that I mean I was going to say, I was just about to say, like, it's not anything particularly difficult, this album. And then I was like, well, actually, making songs that make you feel this good, that mm. is actually really difficult. That's yeah. really, I mean, we've got essentially, you know, I say quote unquote pop throughout this. I mean, are No Devotion a pop band? Mm. They're a variant on something which is pop based, definitely. You know, we'll get to, um, you know, Noah Cyrus later. Is that a pop album? Mm. Well, sort of, but and you know, is even is this a pop album? Like, there's so much funk and soul and R and B and stuff in it as well. Like, is it just a pop album? You know, but when you broadly think like pop is meant to be like, you know, so many pop albums are released and they're all meant to make you go like, way about life. Like, that's kind of the aim of pop music, mm -hmm. and yet so few of them do it with enough consistency, right? We're about to talk about a couple in a minute, which I think, you know, the the, the flaw in them is a lack of consistency. Mm -hmm. Lizzo is like a fucking Duracell bunny where it never, <laughs> it never drops. It, like even the slow shit, you know, like Naked, which is a ballad mm. and it is, you know, the, the ballad we all expected. You know, it's not my favourite on the album, but it still is kind of injected with this fucking joy and this like celebratory thing that she that she has and it just makes everything just sucker onto you and it feels great this record feels incredible when it's on you feel incredible and i think like that's really hard to do if people are listening they're like oh i liked it when you talked about metal and i like me metals this and it's that and i like when you talked about and why oh it's a shame you're going to pop like come on dude like this shit just makes you fucking feel good it does mm. And this is one of the most fucking feel-good records I've heard. Gay bad. Put it on the poster. <laughs> yeah, definitely put that on the poster. Right next to uh, whatever it was you said about Nine Inch Nails earlier. 
be a weird poster, yeah, but no, it was, put it, it on, definitely. Be a weird poster. Yeah. Please buy this Nine Inch Nails album from 15 years ago and the New Year's <laughs> album, which has actually been out quite a while, on the strength of these two totally unrelated uh, quotes. quotes. From Stephen Hill, yes. Yeah. You're not a marketing expert, Sam. This much has become clear to me, even in episode Evidently one. Evidently not. No. Are you regretting your decision now? <laughs> I'm, I'm not asking <laughs> you to to design me a, a you know billboard campaign for my autobiography or anything like that. Don't worry about it. Oh, it's thank fine. God. I'm not launching a craft beer and I want you to do <laughs> like a pop-up campaign for me. Well, that I could do quite well, but yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Feel Good is the order of the, order of the day with this Lizard album. I fucking I love it. It's well good. Special by Lizzo is out right now, as is Born Pink by Blackpink, the second studio album from the K-pop four-piece, the follow-up to their 2020 debut album, The Album. Now, we've never covered K-pop before uh, because this is the first ever episode of the show. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I've never spoken about K-pop before, and I don't know if you've ever gone on on record talking about K-pop before, Sam. I can't say that I have. It, uh, to be honest, it's not really a genre I've explored that fully. Um, certainly, I had friends who were into it back in secondary school and stuff. You know, when, um, well, J-pop and K-pop, I think, was starting to infiltrate the kind of underground of basically nerds like us, basically. But yeah, it's not mm-hmm. something I've delved into too deeply. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same, right? So I'm just going to say this because, look, you know, I don't know much about Blackpink. I don't know much about K-pop. I don't know much about the culture surrounding it. I know that there is a very hardcore selection of people who lap this shit up. If you're listening just for this review, hello. Thanks for coming on down. But look, bear with us because the references, if you are a massive K-pop, I'm not going to use the word stan. If you are a massive K-pop fan, uh, we, we might be a little bit up and down with some of it. And we don't necessarily know exactly what we're talking about and mm-hmm. all that. But here's what I do know. Blackpink are fucking cool. Mm. Blackpink are fucking cool. Eight songs, twenty-four minutes and thirty seconds. Again, That's how you do it, Dave Mustaine, paging Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> hello, me. <laughs> this is Dave. Hey, Lars, call me back. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, Dave Mustaine. Anyway, look, <laughs> Blackpink are fucking cool. That first song, mm. Pink Venom, is modern hip hop, old school R&B, Eastern pop, Slink, big beat, fucking like. Drums and decks, big beat from the fucking 90s, all over the gaff. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Straight away, I was like, whoa, look, listen to all this. And I looked at the runtime. I was one minute and 23 seconds into the first song. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. And, and it had all that. And if you think pop is stupid or one-dimensional or easy, it's like, nah, mate, here we go. This is, this is bloody mental. And that first song is <laughs> outrageous and great. Um, it's also the high point of the record for me. Ooh, okay. See, um, listening to this album, I, I, as as we've both said, I don't think either of us really knew what to expect. I mean, for me, I think it depends what kind of, what, what era of pop music you want to go for. Because for me, the first three songs, to be honest, I mean, um, Pink Venom, Shut Down and Type of Girl, I think they're all really good, but they come from a kind of more contemporaneous pop than I'm particularly au fait with or particularly a fan of. I think it was funny. I listened to this um, immediately after a listen through the Lizzo album. And I think when you look at Lizzo's kind of take on the the bad bitch rhetoric, yeah. so to speak, I think Blackpink have a very different one that it feels a little 
<laughs> a little bit too close to out and out aggression for the kind of thing that I'm really into. And as someone who likes aggressive music, like that shouldn't be the problem. But I don't know. I think just the delivery of it doesn't quite hit the mark for me, which is not to say it's bad. So you can mm-hmm. don't at me. Don't mm-hmm. at me. It's good. It is good. I think when you get to the fear yeah, of K-pop fans from oh, Sam, mate, just permeating the idea that he could be kind of burnt to a crisp just from a slight glare of <laughs> K-pop fandom. I mean, I'm not scared of them, of the K-pop fans. So I'm going to just go like, if I think something's shit on here, I'm just going to go, sorry guys, this isn't very good. But okay, you, I, I, but I do appreciate how you are like treading carefully. I think that's maybe a wiser approach than mine, which is quite going to be quite gung-ho to be honest. I mean, to be honest, I'm treading carefully because those first three songs, uh, songs as I say, come from a stylistic era of pop that i really don't know hardly anything about but i think i think it's quite clever to have that and then have a very distinct change at yeah 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 because for yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah hard to love and the happiest girl i think you get uh, yeah more kind of balladry pop in i think what people 10 15 years ago would have thought of as wet pop music basically so it's like if you think about it thematically what they've done there first three songs are the black the third th- second three songs they're the pink um uh, which yeah. uh, clever but uh then for me there is eight songs uh, there is eight songs. yeah i mean yeah. It, it does get a bit ruined there but i would then say tally i think for me for me tally's the high point because i think it does the two things that they're doing and it amalgamates them it amalgamates them rather than just having two distinct halves of what this band's are capable of i think tally's a good song i think there's, there's a bit of the kind of gritty aim of the openness of like the more wrapped vocals uh, but it's got then that deep bass backing that I do quite like however ready for love uh, yeah it's 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 an ibiza track um that, oh, that it, you know it's kind of yeah it's sun-soaked drinking cocktails in a fishbowl you got for five euros with a parping synthesized brass isn't it that face on, that Steve. fake trumpet has got to go and not yeah. i don't just mean here i mean in general because mm. it's bloody everywhere it's dire it is a dire sounding thing it Black makes Pink me feel like are too on. good for this. Yeah, it has to go. They are too good for this because it makes me think I'm watching the first Inbetweeners movie, which is not a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tally is great. I mean, Tally's not a million miles away from, but like production-wise, from being something that could have been, like, if you dirtied it up a bit more, it could have been on the No Devotion album if No Devotion got some girls rapping about how they don't give <laughs> a fuck about stuff. But it has. Yeah. It's got this sort of slow stomp. It's got a cool guitar riff just all a bit behind the beat and it sounds quite luscious. I didn't like The Happiest Girl particularly, but, you know, Ballad won it. That was always going to happen and I'm just yeah, not into that yeah. ballad stuff. I mean, I thought Hard to Love had a, was quite cool, but it, it it strayed near that Love Island thing. I thought mm. the hook was very strong, but it strayed near that Love Island thing. Yeah, 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 is, you know, like you said, I mean, shock horror. I like the more 80s sounding one. What yeah. a surprise. And yeah, that does. <laughs> um, and yeah, but I do think Pink Venom, which is just mental as a song. It is just like, ah, like everything happens straight away. And you're like, oh God. Shut down kind of, you know, it's got the grooves, like you say, that modern thing. That I don't really care if it's got that sort of strip. I think they called it strip hop the other week. And it kind of makes me feel like it goes into there. But even that, it has this quite catchy string section, which feels like it's mm. a little bit different. And I also think, to be fair to the girls, you can tell the different personalities between the vocalists. And I thought I could tell that without looking or just from listening to them. And I think that doesn't happen that often. So I think that's cool. Type of Girl was the only other song. I mean, I wouldn't choose to listen to that sort of thing. 
particularly but i did like it when the rap came in when the rap came in i was like yeah this is very very good i mean look essentially they're good i think they're good i think there's mm. a few stylistic things here that i am personally not fussed about but that's just taste in it and they can do them and when they're good this is very good you know it's a really short album so it never really outstays its welcome like i said eight songs 24 minutes and 30 seconds in and out really really quickly half of it i think is really cool the other half of it i think is pretty well made but it's not the type of music which i like so broadly speaking you know i don't really have anything negative to say about it other than get rid of those fucking trumpets yeah uh fully back that yeah i think this is a good album uh th- yeah again stylistically as well everything you've just said stylistically there are bits that i don't like and i think we're kind of broadly on the same page as to which bits we do like even though you really really like that opening song which for me um I don't know, it felt a little bit too scattershot, but, eh, you know, each their own. They, Yeah, you can't say they're not doing what they do well. Um, even a song like Ready for Love, which is, you know, taken from quite a horrible place, which is Malaga. <laughs> yeah. yeah, poor Malaga. Their football team <laughs> were good back in the day. Or was it Gatam? I think Malaga. No, Malaga were good. They're in the Champions League at one point. Imagine that. Cool. And they got knocked out to Dortmund. Two oh. late goals. Oh, yeah. Bad times. Bad Dortmund. Times. It was well, yeah, for them it was, yeah. Anyway, Black Pink, Born Pink, that is out now, as is this has been out a while too. Demi Lovato, holy fuck. Mm. Using the old V there. Like they get that done here. Like what we've done. Yeah. Don't really know what that means, but it's just something that people do. Mm. We're gonna jump on it as well. Whatever. (laughs) The eighth studio album from the US pop superstar as they return to their alternative rock roots with Nina Strauss in the band. Nina Strauss mm. playing in Demi Lovato's band, playing guitar. Quite the step up from her. Seeing a lot of people on Metal Hammer going, why is she stepped down from Alice Cooper? And just playing pop like as if pop musicians are inferior to the people who play in metal bands. Yeah. That's, if you think that, that's very, bless you. Aren't you funny? Uh, this is the follow-up to last year's Dancing with the Devil, The Art Starting Over, which I'm not going to lie, I haven't heard. But Demi Lovato in general has a collection of great pop bangers to fall back on heart attack skyscraper here we go again proper modern pop diva tunes but i'll be honest i've never really been through a full album back in the day i remember demi lovato being a bit more of one of those slightly alt pop stars in a, mm. i guess a kind of Katy perry vein and has morphed into something i suppose like as they tend to do uh into something way more sort of just straight pop i think and then straight kind of divery um, but I am much more of a kind of this is Demi Lovato on Spotify man, personally. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I've probably heard the odd single here and there. Never really never really delved into uh, Demi Lovato's career. <laughs> Certainly not in any kind of deep and meaningful way. Um, I think my main kind of knowledge of Demi Lovato is that my boss at work has noted that there's definitely an algorithmic sort of, I don't know, kind of precedent where every 13 days there will be a news story about Demi Lovato to keep them in the news cycle that's about all I know about them Mm. that's true that's Mm. true and that's something which is touched on many many times on multiple songs I think throughout not this just this record but other things that I've heard from prior albums as well so um hard in it poor Demi seems no one can make pop punk good (laughs) <laughs> no I mean not really. you know it's 
It's too much to ask of any human being to make pop punk good, I think. It's too much to ask. It's an unreachable goal to make a good pop punk record uh, in this day and age. It's just, it's, you're, you're just setting yourself up for a fall, unfortunately. This, uh, yeah. The opening song with Old Young Blood mm. is a very typical kind of pop rock song. It's not bad, but it didn't make me go, oh, wow. This is really good. This is super catchy. It's great. I think Skin of My Teeth is better. Mm. It's a lot of the, you know, getting out of rehab, being the center of the media storm, how to survive that, trying to survive that feeling like you need to kind of say like, fuck you. And it's a good idea. You know, it's a perfectly fine thing to write about. Hook is good. But the rest of it is a bit, again, you know, it's like teen movie rock band playing their song in the battle of the bands isn't it yeah i mean this uh, most of this album there's so much of it where you expect it to be in the kind of end of a disney film about a rock band trying to you know kind of overcome the struggles of their hometown which is basically to be fair the whole of pop punk since well whenever blink 102 started pretty much um skin of my teeth didn't actually mind was disappointed it wasn't a megadeth cover which is something i never thought i'd say um <laughs> but you know it, i can't say i actually hate the vast majority of this album because a lot of it i mean it lives and dies in its nostalgia like because it is aping it's going back to that avril lavigne on let it go basically is what yeah. it's doing for the majority of it and there are bits of it where i listen to it and i'm like yeah i'm walking to secondary school with my ipod classic in me in my pocket but then i remember well there was a reason i, I was ended... gonna say in your pocket not in, in physically inside your body not inside me no that i mean the surgery you know, still hasn't healed but uh, but then i remember there's a reason that listening to all that stuff there's a reason i ended up going in search of lamb of god and then more and more extreme stuff because i grew out of it quite quickly uh, i will save skin in my teeth though um celebrity skin by hole called and they want their riff back they really do yeah, yeah there's a few times that that happens in there i mean i quite like you know substance has a big emo song thing and it was fine but there's a doom riff there's a bloody doom riff she says only one looking for substance and then boom, like matt pike <laughs> turns up for like a minute it's like what are you doing here there's an actual fucking doom riff on that song and i was like oh okay well you know she's not uh um fucking around here Nita Strauss is she she's like hello I'm in the band and I will be doing the thing that I usually do and maybe even heavier than I usually do it as well mm. so I did I did appreciate you know that riff that uh, Nita Strauss brings in there um for me though this is there is there is a there's a couple of times where kernels of things come in and I'm like now that's what we could have got Eat Me with Royal and the Serpent mm. is the best song on the album mm. by far, I think, by far. I think it's great. It's got this weird broken rhythm to it and the chorus is pummeling and it is exactly what I wanted from a Demi Lovato rock album. It is great. It's an absolute rager. Dinner's on the floor, that line, it's great. I think it hits a bar that is so high that the rest of the album, it shows up what the rest of the album could be. That song, Eat Me, is is brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Definitely, nothing else gets there i definitely would not go far as brilliant i think i think it's good it, I, uh, to be honest i think the first half of this album i don't massively mind I'm not going to go back to it but it wasn't you know offensively bad or anything um i did have a quick look which is not something i usually do but i had a look at what other people are making this and i did come across a review um won't say who don't want to slag them off but of the song heaven 
Um, apparently, that song is what happens if you... <laughs> it's the answer to the question, what happens if Queens of the Stone Age and Billie Eilish collaborate? But it's not, is it? It's like Marilyn Manson and early Paramore. Um, but yeah, I'd say Heaven, to be honest. Heaven's probably about the point that the album starts falling off because you get to City of Angels and it's like... I mean, it it just sounds like everything that happened earlier. Um, Bones, I guess, is all right. It's almost got a kind of... I mean, this is a very generous thing to say, but it's kind of got like, a, I don't know, almost like stoner funk vibe to it at times. I was going to say, it sounded like yeah. the last Queens of Stone Age album. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that one. Yeah. That one, Queens of Stone Age, definitely not Heaven. Definitely not. But then, yeah, those no. last... I mean, especially, God, the last six songs, there are so many points throughout them where I was like, if... I'd like if I was listening to this with someone and they'd said, "Oh, you've just touched your phone and you've put it on shuffle." I wouldn't have actually batted an eyelid because it does just sound basically exactly the same. Um, but yeah, the first half, I I don't think there's anything I really hate on that. I mean, I think the oh no, actually, sorry, twenty nine, twenty nine. I do hate the acoustic guitar sentimentality that screams. This is the sad one. Don't need that. It uh, well, I thought that sounded like fourteen to forty one by New End Original. It's got a bit of that of it. I thought. And I didn't hate that song, oh, okay. to be honest. I thought it was actually all right. I, I, I thought it was fine. I really took against it, personally. I mean, yeah, okay. I just thought it was really mawkish and cheap kind of tug on your heartstrings thing. And it's like, and to be fair to Demi Lovato, they've been through some horrible stuff. I was doing some reading around them in advance of this because, as I say, I don't really know who Demi Lovato is beyond they're a celebrity. Um, they've been through some fucking shit. And so I'm loath to give them a kicking on the lyrical content but yeah a song like that i don't know it just it felt a bit ham-fisted and its inclusion there in the album it didn't feel like a natural break to me but that's more of a sequencing issue i would say yeah there is one song where i was like so dear friends i thought that is just uh a nice enough song but it does really feel like it's lyrically very personal and quite dark and Mm. i was like okay well i respect that the title track actually i wanted to say it's got some riffy sort of, it is like riffy old school diva, I guess the sort of Hellstorm stroke Joan Jett kind mm. of thing. I didn't particularly care for it, although the riff is very Tom Morello, very Tom Morello style riff on that particular song. You're, I think you're trying to recall it in your brain now. Which I, I am, can understand yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, look, some of this is actually is good, mm. I think. Some of this is good. Some of this is fine. Some of it's a bit dull. Yeah. This is a mixed... I think this is a mixed bag. Like I say, even Demi Lovato, who has written some amazing pop songs, go back to some of that early stuff. Go back to that single. You know, a Demi Lovato Greatest Hits set is is really good. Mm. Like, it's really, really fun. Okay. And really great. And, you know, like, has a lots of different stylistic transitions in a... What are we talking about now? Like, I guess a kind of 15-year career. It's been interesting. It's like... That's an interesting artist. Yeah, definitely. Like when you look at that spread of stuff. And this is an interesting idea to come and be like, right, let's do a kind of rock album. Let's do a full-blown kind of alternative rock straight pop album. But like I say, even Demi Lovato, who is good, cannot make a pop punk <laughs> an interesting genre. It's impossible. <laughs> so, um, so you know, swinging a slight miss. I think when it veers away from that a bit more... Mm into the other areas the Matt Pike and Tom Morello <laughs> areas uh, it's a bit better and I do think you're right about heaven sounding like Marilyn Manson I mean I mean God sorry yeah, but it, it does. does it really does it, it, it just does uh, Holy Fuck by Demi Lovato that's out now finally let's talk about The Hardest Part by Noah Cyrus this is the debut album from the US singer-songwriter she's been in the public eye for a little while now as she is you know 
Miley Cyrus's sister, which means she's Billy Ray, achy breaky heart Cyrus's daughter. Hell That's yeah. her dad. What a talented family, eh? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. We don't know that for sure. We haven't had the research on that back yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, I got no, I, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus back in the day, a bit of a ludicrous figure, has gone on to you know, be the father of one of the biggest pop stars of the last 20 years or whatever in Miley Cyrus, who is very, very talented, clearly. This is something quite different, though. You know, it's a very slight, quiet, nice, unshowy country pop mm. record. It's not as bombastic or instant as a lot of stuff that we've covered here today, but I think this is nice enough. I don't actually have loads to say about this record, to be perfectly honest. I don't know about okay. you, Sam. Um... I don't know that I've got loads to say because it is ostensibly a kind of, yeah, it's a country pop album, but it leans more into the soulful singer-songwriter end of playing your acoustic guitar. Um, when the first song, uh, Nowhere Standstill, came in, I did think, uh, what am I going to really make of this album overall? Because I'm not a mark for country, country pop, country soul, whatever you want to call it. It really doesn't do it for me. Um, and then when you get, you kind of have these moments where you get sort of like, I don't know, boinging and washboarding kind of thing. It's very twee down by the bayou kind of, I know they're from Nashville, but it gave me that kind of Louisiana feeling. Um, but I was thinking, oh, you know what, actually? No, it's Cyrus. Like, they've got a good voice. And where Demi Lovato's lyrical content, you know, which comes from a deeply personal place, I felt it was a little bit kind of, I don't know, screaming, shouting, maybe hadn't quite got to the root of quite how they felt about everything i feel like noah cyrus knows exactly who they are and i was surprised how much i enjoyed this album basically from start to finish actually um mr percocet i don't know if you've got oh, I, was just, I don't know if you've got particular thoughts mm. i think ooh, that's one of the best songs on an album that we're covering this week i think mr percocet is fucking beautiful it really really caught me off guard they're, they're gonna I don't know, the shifling, shifling, shuffling sort of minimalism you get in that track of the drum beat, like played with brushes kind of thing, but it doesn't even feel like it's a whole kit. It might just be a snare drum for large portions of it. Um, the reverby guitars that kind of slide around in the background is a nice little touch and accoutrement. But I mean, this is the song where it's like, again, as we're saying with Lizzo, it's like solo albums, you know, or artists who perform under their, their moniker, sometimes they are not the best part of it. I think... Demi Lovato may not be the best part of her album, as we've just talked with about with uh, Nita Strauss. Um, this song, like, if this is the song that Noah Cyrus is remembered for, fuck me, be quite a legacy because that you're only kind till you're all fucked up, you're only mine till your high is gone. Oh, it's it's such a heartbreakingly beautiful and dependent phrase. And then looking into Noah Cyrus and finding out they've had this Xanax addiction and, you know, they've been brought up in a famous family and probably had a great weight of expectation on them. And they're only 22 it's like fuck, oh absolutely heartbreaking i think that is a gorgeous track i absolutely love that song absolutely love it totally mm. agree totally agree really really great that kind of clicking rhythmic guitar with a voice like a beautiful yeah. voice that sort of floats in and out of it i mean you've picked i'm i tell you one thing i am impressed by this record although it hasn't not loads of it has always grabbed me all the time i i do think the arrangements on here are really really mm. really good yeah like very very strong arrangements and i think you know there's th that mr percocet is yeah. the best song yeah. on the record without any question at all i think there's 
you know the title track goes through a kind of bit of bon Iver does country <laughs> um i really liked i just want a lover mm. which reminds me of sort of 80s fleet with mac it's got a bit more drive to it. it's maybe my sort of second favorite song on the record goes quite poppy towards the end you get a bit of stabbing synth parts or sort of not synth sorry string parts on it it's mm. really cool it's a record which sort of starts very slow builds up and then sort of fizzles back down again loretta's song at, at the end as well classic kind of country i really like that that fiddle and pick strings that's the time where i was like oh you're getting a very kind of classic country mm. sound again 10 songs they're all quite short will i go back to this bits of mm. it maybe i'm not sure i'll go back to this in full for a debut i think this is good right for a debut for a kind of promising debut i think this is good and i think you know like i say i don't actually have loads to say on it as an album as a whole vocally arrangement wise production wise and i think idea wise all those things feel like they're in place i just think some of the songs are not quite as strong as i think they may well go on to be later down the line yeah. right so you I know there's really like i say one two three like four of the ten i think are brilliant and everything else is like pretty good I yeah think. i i think i basically agree with that assessment pretty much entirely i think um this is an interesting showcase of, i think what noah cyrus uh is capable of but not quite pushing too far in either direction because you have got the country soul kind of singer songwritery type stuff and then yeah from from kind of the hardest part i'd say through to well, this is kind of a three song cover the hardest part i just want to love her and unfinished that i think lean more into what people see as traditional pop i think there's a bit of a pop bent there um yeah there's probably four so songs on this i really like um for me i'd say if there is a low point it would actually be um every beginning ends uh featuring benjamin gibbard from death cab for cutie and i think he really brings that song down i don't like his performance of the um of the kind of um broken hearted storytelling that they're doing in that duet um i think you've got cyrus who's this kind of emotive powerhouse in a very slight way and then you've got him coming in and it's all a bit rootin tootin kind of yeah doesn't doesn't do it for me yeah i didn't care much for that song either i think it was you know again perfectly perfectly mm. fine but you know not amazing or whatever so you know overall and i think there are a few songs that are a bit like that on the record so you know i think overall this is this mm. is decent this is decent. I don't like I say it's it's a pretty simple record to get your head yeah. around. But then often, I mean, look, you know, last year one of my favourite records of last year um, was uh, was uh, oh my god, I've I've completely forgotten what it was. Brandy oh, Carlisle. Yes. Sorry, I nearly called a, I nearly called. I, I, for some reason, I was like, I nearly said Austin Carlisle. Definitely <laughs> not Austin Carlisle. Definitely <laughs> oh, not. Fucking hell. <laughs> In any way. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of my favourite records was the Brandon Carlisle record. And that, you know, was just, I think when you listen to that and then mm. you listen to this, both of those things are ostensibly doing a similar-esque yeah. thing. Country pop, if you like. One of them does it with real fucking verve and style and loads of personality. This has plenty of personality, but I think it's still, you know, you, you listen to that and you go, well, that's the kind of, that's where you, that's where you should be yeah. aiming for, and this this rarely hits that. I think Mr. Percocet would get close. I think you know. I just want a lover gets close. I think mm. Loretta's song gets slightly less close, but gets quite close as well. 
but overall yeah you know like that's basically what i read. yeah i mean i really like this and i like it a lot more than i thought i would being that it's from the cyrus family um i don't mind a bit of miley stuff but <laughs> yeah achy breaky heart i mean mm. that is quite a good song actually so it's, it's not, not the worst. worst it's not the worst it's not the worst it's not the worst. Anyway, there you go. Um, that's all of the records. Oh, I should say that's uh, that's Noah Cyrus, The Hardest Part, is out now. So there you go. That is the end of the show. Other than, I should say, Sam, just because we're going to make it more fun and stuff. Um, there's a guy, uh, Elliot, hello, Elliot, on Twitter, who said, uh, do you know what would be a good idea? He's doing Snog, Marry, Avoid with bands. And I thought, God, that would be a bloody good idea, isn't it? So um, with all the credit to him, quick game of Snog, Marry, Avoid before we go. Elliot from Twitter's Snog Marry Avoid game. Yeah, go on then. So <laughs> <laughs> Snog Marry Avoid with bands. We are gonna we are gonna do we're gonna we're gonna actually do this. Here you go, Sam. Snog Marry Avoid, Godflesh, oh. who I know oh, you love. Yeah. Texas and a, an electric cool boy. <laughs> I mean avoid avoid electric <laughs> cool boy straight off the bat. I, 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 okay, I, I, well, I'll ask for your reasoning, but go on. You've, di- you've dived straight in there. Go uh, on. Okay, but, no. But, so avoid electric yeah. call, boy. No, no, do it, and then we'll discuss okay. it. Mm, now. I'm probably going to go with Snog Godflesh, and I'll get into why. Ooh. I know, but, mm, well, we'll get into it. But I think, yeah, I'm going to go, yeah, Snog Godflesh, <laughs> marry Texas, and avoid electric call, boy. Fire away. Right. So, I mean, Electric Cool Boy, you chose to avoid mm. straight away. And it feels like the normal thing to do. <laughs> They're a bit of fun, aren't they? Are they? A bit are of they? fun? Well, I don't no. know, aren't they? I mean, wouldn't you, you just, you don't, you don't want to be, yeah, you don't like I don't fun like fun. No, way, I mean, you, you say it at the top of the show, like, oh, things are going to be more fun. I did think, oh, what have I signed up for? What have I got myself into? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, uh, Electric Cool Boy, I haven't listened to them since they've been called uh, Electric Callboy. I listened to Hyper Hyper because everyone was fucking banging on about it when that song came out. And I was listening to it and it's like, oh, okay, so they're kind of doing pop but not really very well and they've got that kind of like metal element that's not very good and the, the lyrics are a little bit kind of sexually suggestible and I was like, hmm, is this not just kind of like sowing the seeds for the return of Crunkcore? Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. You, you, you know, it was the obvious yeah, one, really, yeah. to um, do Electric Cool Boy. Th- this is all from a kind of random band generator, by the way, we should say that we put this. So you would then snog Godflesh. So here's my ration. Justin Broderick getting a big sloppy tongue Ooh. in his mouth. from you, like, you want Big tongue. Yeah. Big tongue. <laughs> Although, GC Green on, as well, obviously, lovely fellow. Uh, hopefully he's recovered from norovirus, because um, that might make things a bit difficult. That's why they postponed those shows the other week. Fucking livid. But anyway. And you're there going, oh, I'd love to stick my tongue tongue down his throat. When he's better, yeah. He's a handsome man. He's got a good bass tone. Um, Yeah, so. Oh, yes. Famously what women look for. I don't know if you've noticed, Steve. I'm not a woman. No, okay. Fair enough. Outspan. All right, fine. Or what people look for in a a prospective partner. Well, they should. What's his bass tone like? Go like on. Justin Chance yeah. is the best man that's ever lived because his bass sounds like fucking thunder. It's amazing. Not the band Thunder, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awful. That sounds yeah. awful. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Snog Godflesh because I'll be honest, Justin Broderick especially is a busy man. I don't know that he'd be there for you that that much. I think he'd be quite an absent 
absent partner. Um, and to be honest, I don't know Texas super well. I know a couple of the big hits that basically everyone knows. And I don't know, they see they just seem a bit nicer than Godflesh. I can't imagine a, a happy home life with Godflesh, to be honest. So, yeah, I love them for the one night. Not, not, not a happy, happy home life. So. Yeah, it would be too dark, it wouldn't it? If you were married to Godflesh, you'd, it would just be like never-ending, sort of like looking at the window, oh, yeah. smoggy again. Oh, I God. said up at 8 I mean, for a 9am leave. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's something that's actually happened to me, but yeah, I don't <laughs> think you could live. I, you know, like you'd, you'd want to paint the living room black, mm. probably, which is all right. But as long as we can have a feature wall, you know, a nice kind of shade of purple. Yeah. Because, but then you actually, you know, he, we've talked about him doing stuff with the bug. It's not like he just does Godflesh, no. Justin Broderick. So he does, he does got pretty things as well. So maybe when he comes home, he'd be different. Well, I'm just thinking because know. he does so much, I think he'd be busy and I'd just feel neglected. So I, ca- I can't say that I'd want to marry Godflesh. I mean, uh, to be fair, that, right. that's harsh on GC Green. I'm sure he's a lovely fella. So, but no, I've made my decision. I'm sticking to it. And it's a shame that that is the first time I've got to talk about Godflesh at length in any kind of <laughs> format ever. There we go. It's about how you, how you want to kiss their virus-ridden lips, yeah. which is one of them. Big time, big time. Uh, and Marion Texas. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, if it's good enough for Chris Evans, <laughs> then it's good enough for any and of I us. I aspire to uh, be like that man. Feel free to hit me back with um, a Stog Mario Void. Well, it's got to be a big one, hasn't it? Got to be a big <laughs> one. So be. I'm giving you, you two, Duran Duran what and talk talk what oh are you mad that's not fair I got you fucking electric cool boy Texas and Godflesh you're giving me you two talk talk and Duran Duran well, I didn't know what you were going to give me do it you've you started in the most absurd way <laughs> well this is a it feels like a fucking absolute fucking affront well, we've got a, we've... it's not only is it an affront it is a like a shocking thing to do okay well, we've got to pad right, the episode so... run time out somehow I know. We don't have to, really. We've done an hour and 45 minutes. I think people will be fine with that. I mean, um, okay, I'm going to... Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. Is it it like now? Are we talking like today? Yes, in 2022. Yeah. Okay, in 2022. Well, then, I'm going to... I'm going to avoid you two. Okay. Because I haven't put a good album out for ages. And even though they're my favourite band, I can just go like, oh, we, we had our memories, <laughs> but you have to go now. And I'm cutting you off. <laughs> so yeah. I'd do that. I'd be like, look, sorry, lads. You know. And then they go and announce that they're doing Acting Baby in full yeah. in stadiums across the world and bringing ZTV back. And that's when I come around and bop you on the nose for what you've done to me, Sam. So I I'll avoid you two, which is mental. Absolutely mental. I would... I would snog Duran Duran and I would be a widower forever in mourning to talk talk. Okay. Because Mark Hollis is dead. That is true. And so I can't actually, do do you know what I mean? I'm not going to sort of lie in bed with a corpse, (laughs) you know, I'm not R. Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, Jimmy Savile um, or anyone like that. And... Yeah, just any, anyone like those two very different, but ultimately quite troubled and quite nasty men. 
I'm not anything like them. Why do you want to snog Duran Duran? Not anymore. I mean, it's, it's an obvious Why answer. Why do I want to snog Duran Duran? Why do I want to snog Duran Duran? Are you fucking blind? <laughs> Are you blind? Why do I want to snog Nick Rhodes and Simon Le Bon? Do I genuinely need to answer that? Simon the Good? You actually need me to go... Oh, this is why Duran Duran... Have you seen Duran Duran? I just Duran? wanted to say it explicitly. Because they're there fit. That, what, that is what go. I want. Duran, Duran, Duran Duran Right, so Duran Duran are fit. And so I'd snog them. Um, I'm quite happy living on my mm-hmm. own. I don't think I could handle... There'd be a lot of like... If I was married to all five members of Duran yeah. Duran... And that's a lot of like, you know, I saw him. One was wearing a pink suit. One was wearing a red suit. One was wearing a green suit. One was wearing like a blue suit. Like it's a bit... It's a bit much. Like it's good for an hour and a half, two hours when you're seeing them live. It's good to be, but all the time, all of those colours coming at you all the time, all of that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, hey, we're gonna cover Public Enemy again. You'd be like, really? Could we? You don't need to do that. Like, hey, come on, let's. I'd rather you didn't. Come on, Justin Timberlake's coming, and Mark Ronson are coming. Noel Rogers are coming over. We're gonna make a fairly. (laughs) They're gonna tell us how great we are, and we're gonna make a fairly middling pop song off the back of it i go okay well we better put my pink neon pink bandana on okay yeah i mean can you just be a bit i'm you know i'm trying to watch match of the day trying to watch the new match of the day uh and you're being quite loud so i think it would be just be loud be quite a boisterous thing and they don't seem to have calmed down they've got to a certain age and most men of their age sort of grow old gracefully and Duran Duran as much as I love them they haven't really grown old gracefully mm. so what I would do is I'd move in to the Talk Talk household which would be very calming and quiet and I would just sort of mourn the loss of Mark mm. Hollis you could have a- who ultimately is the only person from everyone you've mentioned who has never released a bad bit of music mm. whereas the it's others fair. have I mean also actually to I was just thinking when you talk about Duran Duran in there, the litany of suits. I mean, imagine how many separate washes you'd have to do with all that. Gutted. Exactly. It, and, and you know, they're going to be hand wash or dry clean, aren't they? No, oh, it's going to be a nightmare. I'm not doing that. No. I'm maybe, you know, maybe I'm not a great wife. <laughs> hey, you look like one to me. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. So there you go. Um, we're going to end the podcast like that every week. Are we really going to do that? Oh, don't yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah, actually, we are. All right. Hey, look, thanks very much for listening, guys. Like I say, go to patreon.com forward slash a true cult pop with all the V's in the correct places and you can sign up for our Patreon page. Been a bit of a funny old week. Um, I understand if you're going, sorry, what is going on here again? I don't, but look, you know, it's just this is the way that it's going to be and that's what we're doing so um thanks very much if you've stayed with us and you've enjoyed the show which you know it's not an incredible massive stylistic leap into something completely different but you know it's enough i think um this is what it's going to be from now on hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've enjoyed the show we'll be back next week with more stuff thanks very much for listening say goodbye sam goodbye sam yeah oh, bye